0: I'd like you to turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, 1 through 6. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who is spoken of by the prophet Isaiah when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now, John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were coming out to him, and they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. In Acts 2, 37-41. Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? there were added to that day about 3,000 souls May God add his blessing in the reading of his word. Now, you can see just from these two passages um, that baptism is, is a prominent theme in the New Testament. It's all over. And we, we, have, uh, we need to realize, and, and I, I want to help you see this today, that uh, a lot of us have a reaction when we hear the word baptism. We all have some memory We have some mental image of what baptism looks like. Uh, Many of us have participated in the baptismal service. But I want to talk today about what it means to be baptized. What does it mean to be baptized? I want to talk to you today about a true, deeper meaning to baptism. I hope to be able to get you to, to look at it a little bit differently. We all know that baptism is a serious event. At least we should know that. We should take it seriously. But I've got to be honest with you. I'm not sure that the Church Universal has done a very good job of teaching uh, what baptism is about. We hear the Word, and most of us think of the ordinance, don't we? We think of the ritual. We think about what we're going to do next Sunday down at Warrenton Baptist Church. But I want to go deeper today, uh, and I want to see what's behind the ordinance. Uh, Now, to do that, uh, some of us are going to have to put Some of the teaching we've received and some of the traditions that we have accepted off to the side, if we're going to be objective about this, and give it some careful thought. Baptism is frequently thought of as an act of obedience, and it's true. Uh, We should be baptized. It's a commandment. Uh, You know, every time we do a baptismal service, this comes up, and we'll say to somebody, have you been baptized? He says, no, well, you need to come and get baptized. Well, that's okay. I'm praying about it. It's the only commandment in the Bible that we pray about. <laughs> so, you know, how do we how do we pray about a command? Well, I'm waiting for God to tell me to be baptized. Well, He's already told you. <laughs> and I think sometimes God is just sitting on a throne going, oh, how many times do I have to say this? So how many times does the Bible say repent and be baptized? Repent and be baptized. It's a commandment. We should obey it. But I want to go deeper today. I want to look behind the ordinance. Again, we're going to have to put some preconceptions aside. There's so much more than just being obedient here. And I think we miss a huge blessing because we we turn it into an act of obedience. We don't fully realize the implications of being baptized. And without careful consideration of what baptism means, I think we lose the beauty of a, a, an, an astounding ordinance that is given to the church as a gift, a, and, and at the same time, a profoundly private experience. Something happens on the outside; something happens on the inside. So, I want to talk today about about both. We're going to look at the baptisms two natures. It has a public nature, and it has a private nature. I was talking to a pastor a number of years ago. We were we were kind of looking for a church home. And uh, the pastor came up to me and said, have you been baptized yet? And I said, well, uh, no, not yet. And he said, you know, you got to get dunked. you got to get dunked. And I said, well, what does that mean? He goes, yeah, don't worry about it. Just come on down and we'll, we'll dunk you. And I, I wasn't comfortable with that. Uh, but I didn't, know, I didn't know what it was. And uh, I, we moved on to another church a couple months later. And the pastor sat down and said, have you been baptized yet? I said, no, I haven't been dunked yet. And he put his hand on my shoulder and he said, brother, don't do that. Don't minimize what we're doing here. Let's sit down and talk about baptism. And after I spent a half hour with him, I realized my need to be baptized. So we want to go beyond dunking here. Let's start by looking at the the public nature of baptism. And, And we're going to start that by looking at the meaning of the word. It comes from the Greek word baptizo which means immerse. Now, I put this up on the screen in big letters because I want you to think about this for a second. I, don't want, I want you to understand that baptizo, which we get baptism from, means immerse. So when, when somebody in the first century heard baptizo, they were thinking immersion. But when many of us read the Scriptures about ma- baptism, we think about the in- ordinance, don't we? We think more about the ordinance than we do about the immersion. Now, follow me here. We think about the ceremony of baptism rather than the act of being immersed. It's just like if I were to say, I'm going to Google that to you. Some of you would think about the company, but most of you would think about the search. Google and search has become synonymous with each other. And I maintain that in the modern church, baptism and the ordinance, the sacrament, have become synonymous with each other. Baptism is the same way. So, and I think in doing that, we lose some of the meaning of the act, thinking about the ritual more than we think about the action, and not realizing that the ritual is just a shadow of what the action represents. So, the first century readers of, of the Gospels and the letters that were written by the apostles, there, there was no such confusion They didn't have to figure out what was being talked about. When they saw baptizo, they knew that something was getting immersed, that something was getting soaked, that something was going to be completely covered, totally engulfed, something was going to be saturated. So keep that in mind. And think about that while we talk about baptism, while you're thinking about baptism. And if you do that, I promise you things will start to change subtly, but they're going to be profound perhaps enough to make you pause and consider that baptism is far more than being dunked in the water. So, so when we find John the Baptist for, performing baptisms in Matthew chapter 3, as we read at the beginning, we know that John is doing more than just dunking. He's doing more than just washing. We know that this immersion that John is doing means something to the Jews. The question is, what did it mean? Well, to understand what it meant, we need to understand where the idea came from. So uh, the word baptize doesn't occur in the Old Testament. Um, uh, but the word the Hebrew word tabal does. It occurs seven times. It occurs five times in Leviticus. It occurs once in Numbers 19. And in those six times, uh, it, it, it always means something is being dipped. Uh, but it occurs one more time in Second Kings five. And in 2 Kings 5, we see where Naaman has leprosy. And he goes to the prophet of God and says, will you pray for me to be healed? The prophet says, go to the Jordan and dunk yourself seven times in the river. Naaman gets mad. He goes, well, he didn't even come out and talk to me. I thought he'd come up and do some sign or do some wonder and just miraculously heal me. And Naaman's servant is standing over there to the side going, "Um, maybe you ought to go down to the river. If he's a prophet of God, maybe you should try that, Naaman, master person. (laughs) Okay, well, Naaman goes down to the river, dunks himself seven times, and the leprosy is washed away. So we see a supernatural element to being uh, immersed in the water. And the the concept of immersion is not totally alien to the Jews. it, it It has a symbolic meaning that they're kind of embracing. But we never see it used in the context of what John is doing at the Jordan. Nevertheless, while we don't see the word baptized, we can see the concept in, uh, the, in ancient uh, Judaism, we can see the concept expressed in the Old Testament uh, because the Old Testament is filled with symbolic washings, symbolic cleansings. We see it in the consecration of Aaron and his sons for the ministry, Leviticus eight six. And Moses brought Aaron and his sons and washed them with water. Before the very first priests, are able to serve in the very first construction of the tabernacle, they had to go through a ritual cleansing. They had to undergo a symbolic washing to prepare themselves for priestly duty. And that starts to set the tone right there. There's another example of Old Testament washing in 1 Kings 7 and the construction of the temple. And there we see Hiram make this huge bowl And by huge bowl, I mean large. It is 30 feet wide. uh, It's 15 feet deep. And it holds 24,000 gallons of water. And it's set there in the court of the temple. And it's there to wash temple utensils. And a lot of commentators believe that the priests would do their ritual washings in that bowl as well. So the bowl is there to wash things. The bowl is there to immerse things. To ritually cleanse them. One of the most compelling evidences in the Old Testament of immersion is found in the ancient synagogues. Now, the Bible doesn't go into a lot of detail about this, but we have historic records that tell us that each synagogue had a pool where they would practice a ritual cleansing known as mikvah. So, here's one at Qumran, near the Dead Sea. Qumran was that that small village of rabbis and teachers Uh, that were dedicated to copying books and scripture uh, in the first century A.D. They were small. They were isolated. They heard that the Romans had attacked Jerusalem and were now pursuing Herod, who was on his way to Masada. And the rabbis in Qumran took all of their copies of everything and hid them in the caves, in the hills, in the limestone uh, cliffs of the Dead Sea. And that's where we get the Dead Sea Scrolls from. They weren't discovered until 1944. So you can see by this that the mikvah was generally large, had steps and made it easy to get in and get out. It held a lot of water, and it was used for these ritual cleansings. Now the way the the mikvah was practiced and how highly it was regarded by the ancient Jews is pretty revealing as to how the first century Jews would perceive what John the Baptist was doing. So uh, for new converts to the religion... Mikvah was performed to demonstrate their willingness to totally renounce their Gentile lifestyle. Their background was totally set aside, and it was washed out of their lives, and uh, they, they did this to accept their new Jewish identity. Let me tell you how far this went. There was going to be a total and radical change in lifestyle after Mikvah. After coming up out of the pool, they were referred to as a child of one day. Now, you catch that? They're referred to as a child of one day. The the, the term is as a baby. In other words, they were a baby again, starting life over, over, only a day old. And a lot of the Jews called this an action of being born again. Born again. So the first time we hear this is not in modern Christianity, a new birth. The Jews saw the mikvah as an immersion in Judaism. It symbolized a total surrender to a new life. The convert was immersing himself in a new community, a new faith, a new way of living, and all the old baggage of all the old learning they had, the old way of living and believing, all the ways of the world are going to be washed away from this convert. It was in every way. A baptism of a washing of repentance. A form of turning away from the world and its ways and turning towards the righteousness of the one true God. And if you stop and think about that for a moment, that's kind of what all the washings in the Old Testament were, weren't they? A a washing away of of the world. They were about renewal. They were about cleansing. They were about repentance. So with all that in mind... When we go back to Matthew chapter three and John's baptism, what is he doing? He's what? It's a baptism of repentance. Only this time, he's he's telling folks that to repent, get ready because the Messiah is coming. And they've got to they've got to prepare themselves. They've got to be ready to be in, in the presence of the Father. And because of this, people are flocking to Him. Everybody wants to see the Messiah when He arrives. They know the Messiah is going to change things. They know the Messiah is going to bring them a new life and a new way of living, bring them closer to God. So, so they go out to the Jordan. They submit to this new mikvah. And at the height of John's ministry, when the entire region is being swept with his teaching, we see this in Matthew three thirteen. Then Jesus arrived from Galilee at the Jordan, coming to John to be baptized by him. But John tried to prevent him, saying, I have need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered, saying to him, Permit it at this time, for in this way it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he permitted him. Then John permitted him to be baptized. So the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the Creator of everything, comes down to the water and allows Himself to be baptized. Not only submitting to the same ritual that was given to Aaron and his sons and carried on from there, but showing us what it looks like to wash away the ways of the world in obedience to the Father. Now, for some of you that have been saved not been baptized, you need to think about this for a moment. Even Jesus got baptized. (laughs) Why did he get baptized? Why does he need to be baptized? Because it's God's prescribed way of showing the world what he's doing. And when Jesus goes under the water and comes out, the the results are absolutely spectacular. God speaks. There's a voice in the heavens. The Holy Spirit descends as a dove and lands on Him. And the only Son of God is proclaimed to the entire world. So, Jesus' baptism isn't a unique event. It sets the example. Baptism is, in one way, a very public statement, a public proclamation of the Gospel. And we're commanded to do just as Jesus did. Now, for a sermon on baptism, we could probably stop right there. I mean, there's no other reason other than Jesus told us to be baptized. Amen? Okay, we're going to go further. If you take a look at the components of baptism in and of themselves, they're a clear proclamation of the gospel as well, aren't they? Entering the water is a confession of faith. Going under the water is a a sign of, of repentance coming out, signals the remission of our sins. All of these things are, are reminders of our salvation, reminders of the nuts and bolts about how God saves us. But there's another reminder as well, maybe maybe a more poignant one, one we need to keep in mind when we consider baptism. When we allow ourselves to be immersed in the water, it reminds our, us that Christ immersed in another way, in another fashion, uh, and, and provided for our cleansing. He speaks of it in the book of Luke. I have a baptism to be baptized with, Christ says, and how great is my distress until it is accomplished. What baptism is he talking about here? You know what? Christ is immersed in our sin. He's immersed in our sin. He took on our sin. So that in his taking on our sin, we could be washed clean. Our willingness to be baptized makes a public display of our love and our thanks to Him, our gratitude to Him for His spectacularly public display of His love for us. Now, furthermore, our baptism represents union with Christ. We've talked about this a number of times. Union with Christ in His life is burial and resurrection. Romans 6, verse 3, Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Those are great promises. But Paul wants to be crystal clear what he's talking about. And he adds this in verse 5. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. When Jesus died, we died with him. When He was buried, we were buried with Him. When He arose, we rose with Him, all because of our confession of faith and our repentance. We are united with Him. We're one with Him. Baptism is a remarkable description of a spiritual reality of union with Christ. Symbol of the process that Christ went through to redeem us. There's another union that's demonstrated by, by baptism. It's with his church. 1 Corinthians 12:13. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body. Jews are Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. We're, follow this. We're united with Christ. He's united with each member of his body. Amen. Amen. We're united with each other. We're united with Christ. We're united. There's no lone wolf in the body of Christ. There's nobody that functions on their own. We're all brought together in Christ. Our baptism declares our union with each other, our union with His church. Our baptism shows our willingness to be obedient to the moral requirements of being one of His children. And there are moral requirements for it. We consciously submit ourselves to His Word, to His commandment. We begin to publicly and gratefully participate in the new life that He's given us. And what we do by doing that is we put that new life on display. We put that new life on display for the world to see. Our baptism is a badge of honor. One that tells the world that we are sold out and we now belong to our Father in Heaven. Look, when when Kelly and I got married we exchanged rings now rings are a great memento of your wedding but they mean far more than that they demonstrate that we are in a mutually exclusive relationship with each other we belong to each other they're an outward sign that we belong to each other they're an outward sign of the inner love that we have for each other that's that's how we should wear our baptism isn't it A visible symbol of who we belong to. A tangible sign of a unique people set apart for God and His glory and that we're one of them. See, baptism says to the world, I no longer live for myself. I now live for Christ. I belong to God. I'm making this profession and holding myself accountable to walking a life of faith in my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Now, all that... We've heard, most of us have heard all that before. It's a given. But the public declaration in our baptism also shows us that God plays a part in this. He says figuratively, you belong to me. I've given you this ritual to demonstrate that you belong to me. I've made you new. You will live for me because I will now live in you. It doesn't happen at baptism, but baptism is a symbol of that. What a beautiful, open, honest proclamation of the gospel in our lives. When we get baptized, we proclaim the gospel. We proclaim our redemption, the gift we've been given in Jesus Christ. We proclaim our allegiance to the body of Christ. We proclaim our thanks for His sacrifice. We proclaim His lordship in our lives. So there's there's the public nature of baptism, but there's a private nature as well, and there's an intimate aspect to, to uh, this immersion that I, I think is absolutely astounding. Let, let, let's take a look at what happens inside us when we're baptized, and the key to all that is in our passage in Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit has poured His self out on uh, Jerusalem at Pentecost, Uh, Amazing things are going on. Peter stands up. All these guys were hidden in the upper room uh, with a very small congregation. And when the Spirit descends upon them, they go out into the city and start to boldly proclaim the gospel. And so Peter's preached this sermon, and the sermon is so striking, so filled with authority, that this happens here in in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, For the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the holy spirit i want to slow down for just a second i want to look at this carefully and hear hear how the jews would have heard what peter just said peter tells them they are to repent and baptistato now yeah it's a it's a form of baptizo uh it's the infinitive form what it means is to be immersed. Instead of just immersed, it's to be immersed. So he tells them they need to be immersed. Immersed in what? Water? No. Look at the verse. Immersed in the name of Christ. Now this is where, this is where maybe some of our traditions get stretched a little bit. Because many like to think of the baptism as an ordinance. And even as we consider that, a lot of people think the phrase in the name of denotes by the authority of. When most of us hear repent and be baptized in the name of Christ, we like to think of this as being something like repent and be baptized under the authority of Jesus Christ. That's the way we read this, with Western eyes. But I want to remind you of the Hebrew notion of names. They saw things differently. The name was a representation of all that person was. It was a symbol of the character and nature of that person. It was the sum of his being, the totality of who he was. It wasn't just a label. Names didn't carry authority to a Jew. What the name meant to a Jew was that they established everything that that man was, or that woman was. Instead of repent be baptized under the authority of Christ, Jewish ears would have heard something more like, turn from your wicked ways, repent, and be immersed in the character and nature of your Lord and Savior. Hear this the way the Jews heard it. Peter tells them they are to repent and baptize Theto. And we need to consider that carefully because if we understand it, the water the water becomes secondary. Amen? It's a symbol of Christ. Our immersion in liquid says we are immersed in Him. Our union with Him and with each other takes on a whole new meaning when you approach the baptismal font with that in mind. With that in mind, when you go to that font, you let His presence engulf you You let it touch every fiber of your being. It goes deep. You are soaked in it. You surrender yourself to His covering. You are absolutely and completely saturated with Christ and all He is. It's a call to total, intimate, deep cleansing, union with Christ. When we go under the water, it not only symbolizes His life and His death and His resurrection and ours with Him, but we proclaim our devotion to Him. We declare our new heart, our new nature. We proclaim ourselves to be touched so deeply that it becomes profoundly deep, and we are being transformed into these new people with new hearts and new lives. And our hearts of flesh are being, turned, uh, are being turned from hearts of stone. And we testify to the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives and in our hearts. Now let me ask you something. Isn't that a whole lot better than let's go get dunked? Isn't that a whole lot better than Well, I've been told that we have to be baptized and our church has a ritual, so I guess I should go down and do it. Brothers and sisters, if you realize the truth of what we've seen in these passages today, and you haven't been baptized, you should be running for the baptismal font. Back in the Old Testament, it happened all at the same time. When you got saved, you got baptized. We've developed a culture where it's okay to wait. It's really kind of like saying it's okay to wait to say that I'm one with my Lord and Savior. If you've never been baptized, come down and join us March 12th, next week, down at Warrenton Baptist Church, 123 Main Street, 1 o'clock. If you've never been baptized with the perspective that I presented you today, the public one and the private one, if, if something inside you has been illuminated as to the meaning of baptism and you're sitting there right now going, well, I didn't, I didn't think that when I got baptized. I just did it because they told me to. Come down and join us. Come down and join us. Talk to me or Scott. You know... Um, I've, I've had a few people go, well, I, I, I want to get baptized, but, 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 but uh, how long do you keep me under? <laughs> and uh, you know, I used to have a pastor say, long enough to get you to repent. Uh, this, is, this is a symbolic ritual, folks, and the, the time under and the amount of water and all that are secondary to what God is doing in your life. We promise you we're not going to drown anybody. We've done dozens and dozens of baptisms. We haven't lost a person yet. uh, (laughs) so it would be our honor to, to get in the water with you what does it mean to be baptized it means to be immersed in him it means to be immersed in his love it means that we are acknowledging that we are immersed in his grace immersed in his glory forever it's one of the great ordinances given to the church